0: Hey everyone, my name is Kyla, welcome to my channel where I talk about the stock market and the economy amongst other things. But Today I am embarking on a little bit of an experiment, if you know me, most of my videos are a little bit long. I talk about a lot of different things in my videos and I wanted to provide a repository of information where if you're like what is she talking about? Like Kyla, you can go back and refer to that. I'm gonna embark on an adventure of doing 10 minute videos every single day about various concepts. Today it's going to be about the supply chain, tomorrow it's going to be about the metaverse. This is everything that you need to know about supply chains. (laughs) If you remember a few months ago, there was that big old boat that got stuck in the Suez Canal. It ended up creating a lot of backlog, a lot of problems. It's supply and demand, it's a broken transportation industry, it's just-in-time inventory, it's Amazonian expectations, the Federal Reserve, everything is causing the supply chains to collapse. Let's dive into what a supply chain is. Let's say that you go and buy an apple from a grocery store from the very beginning. That apple came from an apple seed. That apple seed probably got delivered to a farmer. It grows into the ground, grows into a tree. Farmer picks the apple from the apple tree. The farmer puts that apple into a crate with all the other apples. That crate then goes into a truck. That truck then drives. Maybe it drives to like a grocery store, but maybe it's going overseas. So they drive it to a port. A crane picks that crate up with the apple inside of it puts it on a boat. That boat then goes and drives across the ocean. Another crane comes and takes that container off the boat and puts it onto another port. That crate had to be carried by people and taken somewhere where a truck can go and load it. And then that truck is going to take that crate to a grocery store where you can go and buy your apple after that crate is unloaded. The supply chain is that there's no excess capacity, there's no reserves of trailers for hauling containers, there's no extra shipping containers, there's no extra yard space, there's no extra warehouse capacity, because we basically said, okay, we're going to operate the supply chain at the absolute bare minimum in order to get better profits for Wall Street. And so on that big, long explanation that I just had. Let's say you start on a boat, right? Shipping rates are now equal to 100% of furniture prices. Over 70 ships containing 500,000 containers are waiting offshore right now. They're all waiting to unload. Just a ton of ships waiting. US ports are very small. Long Beach is four times smaller than Singapore's port. Over 77% of the world's ports right now have significant delays of ships and congestion waiting. Massive amounts of demand, the 18% inbound containers versus the same six months in 2019. So you have a ton of ships that are outside the ports, but once they get into the ports, there's not really enough room for them to even unload their containers because US ports are relatively small. And there's a couple of key ports that end up getting most of the traffic because most of the traffic's diverted to these key ports LA, Long Beach, et cetera. With this, equipment is also an issue because you're short on labor to move the container to where it needs to go. Then they're also short on labor for maintenance. So spare parts are in short supply. So even if you did ramp this supply chain into full capacity, you're still going to struggle with yard equipment. The chassis, so the container chassis for trucking companies, so you have the containers, you take it off with a crane, you put it somewhere. All the containers are being stacked up and they have to be put onto a chassis in order to go somewhere. They can't put the containers onto the chassis because they have nowhere to park the chassis. So trucking companies can't park. Containers are going everywhere so they can put new containers onto the port. The average container is now at the port for nine days due to current congestion. So it's sitting there, it's waiting. Some of this is due to stupid regulation. This is from Ryan Peterson, who's the CEO of Flexport. He says he can't take the containers off the chassis because he's not allowed by the city of Long Beach zoning code to store empty containers more than too high in his truck yard. If he violates his code, they'll shut down his yard altogether. The containers can't go where they need to go. They can't stack them, zoning regulation, and I think the Long Beach mayor has stepped up the logistical, the policy problems with the supply chain. You can let your container hang out there for nine days but there's going to be price increases. This is going to be implemented soon-ish, not right now, but right now you get the first four to five days free, but then you'll have fees for letting the container sit there if you're an importer. So you'll get an average of $2,000 to shipping fees, which are already at all-time highs, and they're already paying like 20K to get their container shipped from Asia to here. So not only are you going to have $2,000 every after that five-day period, and remember the average wait time is now nine days, so that's going to be an extra, $8,000 on top of the $20,000 that you're already shipping. So cranes have to load the stuff. They need yard space in order to unload and they have to have an empty chassis in order to clear containers out. They can't do any of that because there isn't space. The chassis sy- system is, is a little funny because it's it for an on wheels premium service, but they can't even put the containers on the chassis because they have nowhere to park the chassis. Containers have to be unloaded by hand if they're not on pallets. So they're separated and bound to pallets once they are unloaded by hand, but that's another requirement of labor for people to step up let's say that everything goes it gets into the warehouse and then the truck driver is going to go to a door you're like how you see right so a door most port drivers end up being independent contractors who are leased by a carrier who ends up paying but them by the load whether their load takes two hours or 14 hours or three days to complete they get paid the same amount and they have to pay 90 percent of their truck operating expenses the carrier might pay 10 percent but they're responsible for maintaining that truck and whether the whole thing takes 24 hours to get done or one hour, they get paid the same amount of money. So most port drivers, independent contractors, they pay for their own repairs and fuel. They're responsible for 90% of their trucking expenses. Truck drivers just being treated terribly. They can't even like go to the bathroom at the port sometimes like it's really really a big issue even to get into the port you have to have rfid tags you have to be port registered you have to have a transportation worker identification credential from the federal transportation security administration and now the american trucking association is like hey we're going to have to recruit a million new drivers into this industry over the next 10 years, but there's already an 80K shortfall, so we're already like behind on that. Going back to the supply chain, the warehouse has to deliver a container to that door so the trucking industry can go and get it, but oftentimes it's empty. So the truck is like, okay, I can't even carry that much freight. So I've already wasted up to an hour like, sitting here waiting for this, but I can't even pick up that much freight. The supply chain is already backed up. So the, let's say the truck driver takes it. You also have the railroad being messed up. So they are not staffed to handle the surge in demand. Every logistical capacity right now is backed up. You have the ships that are waiting, you have the cranes that can't take the containers to where they need to go. And even when the containers get unloaded, there isn't space for them on the ground. When they get unpacked or when they go over to get taken to trucking, there's some like there's just not product sometimes because it hasn't been unloaded in time. There's labor issues. There's congestion issues and it's not like something that you can just open up the supply chain 24 hours and be like yeah this is gonna work because people can't work 24 hours a day there's just these all these different dominoes that are falling right now in order to understand supply chains we have to begin with understanding supply and demand so there's a certain amount of supply of goods that are produced and there's a certain amount of demand that's going to want to uptake those goods in the united states consumer demand consumer spending is about two-thirds of gdp growth gdp growth is how quick the economy is growing essentially the government has a very big incentive to encourage people to spend money if people are spending money that means economy grow government do good Thumbs up for everybody. Now we have sort of this mismatch between supply and demand, where people are demanding goods almost on the other side of a pandemic. The supply that we're producing is not matching the level of demand that people have. How does a demand curve respond to excess demand relative to low supply? Because we have this big crisis of not enoughness. If you look at the personal consumption expenditure index, which is what the federal reserve uses to gauge inflation, an increase in the price level of different goods, you can see an uptick in spending. People are spending a lot more on goods versus services. They're going out, they're saying, I want new clothes, I want a new iPhone versus going and getting a haircut, going to a restaurant. We're seeing that pressure on the supply chain because in order to have clothes, in order to have electronics, you got to start from the very, very beginning of where that first thread begins on your piece of clothing. Part of the problem with the supply chain is we have this idea of just-in-time inventory. An engineer at Toyota came up with this idea of just-in-time in order to meet consumer demands, in order to eliminate waste. Everything in the supply chain is going to be delivered just as you need it that puts pressure on the infrastructure of the supply chain, force companies to cut costs to compete with the quickness of other firms that increases vulnerabilities to something breaking. If you're always operating at breakneck speed, the probability of something going wrong is super high. Anything that's going to go haywire is going to derail the whole operation. So there's this inherent trade-off between efficiency and dangling at the edge of anything might go wrong. We also have in our society, Amazonian expectations. We not only have this just in time inventory, which is hanging on a bare thread, but we also have Amazon. We want things Things when we want them Amazon is like don't worry We'll show up cardboard box, everything for you. Same day, Amazon has created this idea in our head that, the, that supply chains are this untouchable creature. If Amazon can ship things in one day, surely this thing is efficient. The big question is what company would do well in a crisis like this? And it would be a services company where they don't have any inventory. They have no supply chain, but Snapchat was impacted by companies not wanting to advertise because they don't have the inventory to meet the demand that people would have for their advertising. We're going to pull back in general. Snapchat was impacted because companies don't want to advertise because of the supply chain crisis. So the supply chain impacts companies that you think would be insulated from this. What happens next? So right now it, it's very backed up because demand is so high. The idea is that the supply chain will normalize and supply pressures will abate. Things will get better, but you can still see that there's these huge structural cracks in the market and in terms of how we treat people in terms of the just in time inventory process in terms of the policy around the ports. So there's going to have to be a huge improvement in policy, definitely a huge improvement of how they take care of workers and just a huge improvement of the process of how consumers spend in general, but that's a different video. Ryan had a good tweet about it. The port shutting down is worse than Lehman Brothers failing. Both can lead to catastrophic failures of all counterparties depending on them, but with Lehman, the government could just print tons of money to flood the banks with liquidity. Here, we need real world solutions. That's a really important points so the government is oftentimes like we can just open up ports for 24 hours we can just ask opec to produce more oil to do less pricing pressure the answer is always more but for this situation, there has to be an improvement in policy. Huntsman has a really good piece on policy. I'll link everything below stuff that I've seen. That's actually talking about how to solve this, because I think it's important to talk about like how you solve solutions, right? This is a failure of policy. And so the idea that the federal reserve could step up and be like, oh, you know, the here's inflation, like supply chain's pretty wacky. We'll raise rates. We need real world application. So that is the supply chain. That is everything that you need to know about the supply chain. I would love to hear from you all. Like what would be most helpful? I have I have, of course, like a very long list of things that I can pull from, but obviously make the videos for you. These are going to be just like baseline. What do you need to know about X, Y, and Z? Thanks so much for hanging out. Thanks so much for listening to me and let me know if you have content requests, and I will get to them. Bye. I'll see you tomorrow. Bye.